Um, our friend Betty Sun um, hates being embarrassed. She hates having a sign up with her name on it. Um, she hates that I'm saying anything right now while she stands here. Um, and I'm going to keep talking. Um, she's been a delight to have in our community. Uh, she is someone who, um, who I've often thought, Betty gets it. And when I say that, I mean her journey has led her to understand the power of growing in community, growing within spiritual leadership, um, and being led, um, growing through spiritual disciplines, growing through community. And so it's been a delight, and it's just a celebrative send-off. In a sense, you know, I'm sad and still kind of mad at her for um, finding finding a job at Berkeley, but it's it has a lot of just positive celebration. I asked her if she would share some of that. Today and so I'm, I'm just sort of giving her the mic. So thanks, Betty. Yeah. Yay! All right. So one week from now, I'll be loading up a U-Haul um, and moving to Berkeley. Same job, different organization, different location. So you know the work part I'm confident in. So at least that part isn't too crazy. Um, and personally, I'm happy to be biking on some hilly roads and eating all the good farm-to-fork food and um, just sailing on the bay. So that's something I haven't done since college. And so um, I was also really relieved to know that City Life has a sister church in the East Bay called Christ Church. And so that will definitely be um, one of the first places I check out. It was really comforting as you're like figuring out, like, should I move? What city should I move? Oakland, you know, El Cerrito, like Berkeley. And it was really great to know that there was a Berkeley location of a sister church. And it was really comforting to, um, to see that. So, um, yeah, Mark asked me just to share a little bit about how city life um, has sort of shaped my past few years. And the answer is it's shaped a lot. And hopefully I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, I think, I guess, part, Mark's pastoring relationship with me, with me really started um, with the Dive group. And you may have heard about Dive um, it's this intentional community where a small group gets together, meets one-on-one -on -one to share our stories. Um, and then we meet one-on-one -on -one with Mark, which is scary because I would never have done that before because I don't need help like that. Um, and then uh, we also take a risky dive um, in our faith journeys. And it was that risky dive that really propelled me to where I am now. And it started about two and a half years ago. Um, so my risky dive was to meet intentionally one-on-one -on -one with Karen, who's not here today, I'm sad, um, but uh, to have sort of a discipleship, uh, like a women-to-women -women kind of discipleship intentional community of learning and growing together, and that scared me. So in dive, everyone's risk is different, and for some people, they're naturally drawn to that, but for me, it freaked me out. It scared me to um, open up to another person, someone I didn't know, and... Um, that was a great sort of foundation of moving towards um, learning what it was to share and learning what it was to encourage another in our faith walks and journeys. Um, many of you know that I've been a Christian since junior high, but I didn't get baptized until last year, which was this huge big deal, and many of you were in the room to help celebrate my Easter baptism. Um, but it would have been obvious for my dive to have been to get baptized, which was this like roadblock that sort of like I felt like I wasn't fully part of the family. Um, and I can tell you sort of more that journey towards baptism if you're interested, if, if that's kind of where you are, I'd love to share. But um, that would have been the obvious dive, but I wasn't even ready for that. Um, and so the, the dive was to just learn to open up to another person and learn to open up um, to, to establish real good community. And so let me just check my notes to make sure I'm not going too crazy. Um, so it was really 
cool. Um, it since that past year, since baptism, it's been quite the year. And I can tell you about my work struggles, about personal struggles, about family struggles, around. Um, and all those things. But what I really want to tell you today is um, the story of where you participate. I want to tell you about the church. Not the church as an organization or a building, but the church uh, community where we are right now and you guys are participating. So this, this story is really about you. Um, and it's this community that I got to experience at City Life. One of our mission statements here is to encounter God's grace and connect with others. And so those are two kind of points that I want to share on. So the first one's encountering God's grace. Um, since the years since dive and getting baptized, um, they've been filled with tears, all sorts of tears, happy tears, sad tears, angry tears, anxious tears, uh, tears for no reason. But most of the time where the tears really came was when I actually noticed God's grace. And that just brought me to tears for, for I don't know why. Um, and I think it was... I call it my squishy heart, for those of you who've been around me. It, it's my squishy heart that's very raw and vulnerable right now. Um, and the process of moving towards baptism and um, really just uh, being baptized into the family of Christ and knowing and understanding that I'm fully accepted um, into this family um, really gave me an attitude, a heart, an orientation, a way of looking at things that I've never... Um, looked at before, and it made me um, really embrace that vulnerability that we need, I think, to fully experience um, this Christian faith that we have. Because of City Life, um, I embraced what Mark prays every week, um, that we're more broken than we care to admit or realize. And here's the very simple but powerful and very hard to understand gospel message. Um, and I feel like I'm a beginner in this, this kindergarten-level Christianity, but um, I finally began to understand what God's love was and God's grace is for us and waiting for us to receive, and it's even though we don't deserve it, um, and that there's nothing more that we can do to get more of it or lose it, uh, which is very strange to understanding, uh, very strange to understand, and that it is done. It is done with death's Christ, death. Christ's death on the cross um, and the powerful hope in the resurrection. Um, and we remember that at Easter. And so not only is Easter like a cool Christian holiday, but it's also like my baptism birthday, which is like really cool. So um, this is the gospel message that I want to remember and that I hope that you can experience um, a little bit each day. I hope it's not as painful as my past year has been, but in that pain and in the growth, that's where we... Um, it's really where we need it and desire it most, and so that's really awesome. It's really special to be part of a community that speaks this grace-filled message um, and celebrates that God is our God is a loving God um, and that he calls us his beloved, and you guys are all part of that community in supporting me in that journey, which is really neat. So that was encountering God's grace, um, connecting with others. I think we all have these narratives of who we are and who we project and who we want to be. Um, and I think seeking God isn't always a driving force in telling that narrative. But um, thanks to friends, thanks to community, we are able to get out of our heads and reframe that narrative um, in a way that's more um, kingdom focused. I'm very grateful to have friends who love to pray and who love me and love to pray with me and for me. Um, and that's really a process that 
risk started by meeting one-on-one with Karin. Um, something that's cultivated in Tuesday Pod. We're trying to get deeper beyond just this, um, the casual conversations. Um, and it's something that having really good close friends um, embraces and encourages me to have. Um, something else that's really helped me is something, a practice we cultivated in Dive is prayer journaling. Um, I found myself writing the same prayers over and over again, and I was really demanding with God. And I was begging him and pleading him. And, like, there's only so many ways you can type, like, God, please do this for me. And it really helped me reshape uh, what my prayers were. And so, at least for me, that was a great way to sort of understand what prayer was and how to pray. Um, and it's a practice I would encourage you to, to try if writing is something that you're, um, you're inclined to. At least for me, it was a way to clean up my messy thoughts and organize them. And sort of the third thing that really helped me um, with sort of this connecting with others was just, first of all, being willing to sit kind of broken at the foot of the cross. Um, and I think having sort of that baptism experience um, reminded me of that, and it was just so cool. I hope that many of you who are baptized as children or you know, kind of been sort of stale and stagnant in your, your journeys, um, find yourself um, in the time and space to sort of sit there at the foot of the cross and really remember... Um, that we are more broken than we care to admit and that God's grace and love is for us and we're just waiting to receive it. Um, so to embrace your squishy hearts if, if you're found with a squishy heart. Um, it really helped give all the sermons and these devotional things that I was reading um, and just basic life interactions more meaning to have this kingdom-based slant, uh, which, was, uh, which was a good perspective. So um, how has City Life helped me? It's begun to develop in me a gospel-centered, kingdom-focused character. And that is so cool to be able to say, as a girl in her mid-30s who's been a Christian since she was in junior high, to only kind of have this rebirth literally um, now at this stage in my life has been really, really cool. Um, So it's sort of my desire uh, that I want to love others as Christ loves me, and I want to brokenly receive Christ's love and grace, even though I know I don't deserve it, and there's nothing more I can do to earn it or lose it. Um, I know this will be a lifelong process with ebbs and flows, um, but it's alive in me right now, and I celebrate it. I celebrate the season of life where I am walking closely with God, um, and I'm just cherishing every moment of it. And it is my prayer for you all to, when you find yourself in that place, to really be able to grow and to have the support systems and to have um, a pastor relation pastoring relationship with mark that he can help you along that you've got the friends to support you whether that's through pod or through just one on one relationships with old college friends or neighbors or um, brothers and sisters so um, that is my prayer for city life um, and it has just been a blessing to be uh, supported by you all and i'm not going far down the road one mile um, i'll definitely be back Uh, for the City Life camping trip. So since I have the mic, I'm plugging the camping trip at the end of July. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd hope to see you all there. Someone's got to help, like, drum up the energy since I won't be able to be here to drum up energy uh, for it. But uh, you're definitely all welcome. We'll be in Tahoe for a weekend. Yeah. All right. uh, Thanks for taking this challenge. And, you know, when people go into the dive group that that we we do they know that they're signing up to take at least one risk but um you know having betty stand up here and talk was like me kind of being a little bit mean and throwing another risk at her and she just took it right up boldly and i really appreciate 
you sharing this stuff, I also kind of tacked on to the risk that she might pray for us, um, knowing what she's learned through what she just told you, that she'd have a sense of what what's really good about this community and pray for more of it. So I'm going to pray for her, but she's, will you start and pray for us? Yes. All right, let's pray. Pray with me. Dear amazingly wonderful, merciful, gracious Father in heaven who hears all of our prayers, thank you for dragging us out of bed and the wonderful sunny day to bring us to church, to participate in this community. Lord, thank you for bringing us here, whether we come out of obligation, come out of guilt, come out of routine, or come because we are hurting. Lord, um, I pray that you enter our lives and meet us where we are because we have that hope and trust in you, Lord. I pray for each and everyone here um, who's present and those who are in our extended City Life family, Lord, that you are working in our hearts to create the connections where we can fully support each other. Um, Lord, find the entry points into our hearts where we find ourselves broken at the foot of the cross, where we cry out and depend on you. Um, give us the... Mm-hmm the gentleness to pursue um, meaningful relationships and to support others um, who might need help along the way. Give us the courage to lift um, each other up. Give us the courage to even have those conversations that may be awkward and strange. But Lord, we just mm-hmm. thank you that you are the guiding force um, in our lives. And mm. just, I pray for the community that we may grow stronger through our pods, through the dive, mm-hmm. the current dive group, through the prayer relationships that we have. And I pray that those who aren't connected mm-hmm. yet seek out the connection, and those that want to get connected seek others out to be connected mm-hmm. with, Lord. Thank you for being a fabric, um, mm-hmm. just providing this fabric for us to grow on and paint our stories in our picture. Mm-hmm. Um, give us just this courage and this wonderful experience of being close with you. And I thank you for those who have helped me draw mm-hmm. close to you, yeah. and I pray that we can return the favor yes. to others in need. Yes. Our gracious God, it's so good for us as a community to stop and talk about what you are actually doing in our lives and in this community. I get to see so much of it, and I thank you, God, for, for that calling in my life. It's, it's a joy to see you working through people's pain and people's celebration to see you regularly, but not everyone here gets to see all of that. And so today we've seen your hand in Betty's life and we, we clapped our hands and applauded what you are doing. And, and so I thank you. And, and that's what today is about, celebrating your real activity in people's lives. Uh, thank you for Betty and for the joy of having her in our community. I pray that you would continue to lead her and teach her even more about the gospel as she goes forward, as we're all just babies in the gospel, we pray that she may continue to be fed and to grow as she goes to Berkeley and faces all new challenges, all new relationships. And, uh, and so there's a whole new chapter that we invite you to work in and be a part of. Um, we thank you, Lord, for all the things she just said. And as some people here today are really connected to and fixated on something she said, some part of her journey, I pray that you would continue to encourage through her words and help them to ring true in some people's lives today that, that there may be a door open perhaps or a window it feels like that was just opened up into the mugginess of our lives that, that needs to be pursued a little more and we pray that you give courage in your Holy Spirit that the gospel may, may blow in to fresh places. 
We ask all of this in Jesus' strong name. And the City Life community says, Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, the camping trip is a, something we got to start saying, hey, it's happening. So it's like a group site. So you can even decide, you know, at 11 p.m. the night before that you're going, and that's okay. But I think it works better if we kind of know who's all coming. And it's one of these things where is it operating pretty much the same way in terms of logistics as it has in the past? So, again, this is where you get to encounter some of Betty and her hospitality is the way she likes to do things is kind of have all the food ready for us as a group and have, like, all the details figured out. So it's this huge blessing she gives to us that um, takes some of the edge off of how you kind of have to manage details to go camping. Um, that's at the end of July, that, that weekend that bleeds into August. I think it's like July 30 or 31 or something. That's the, right? Is that the weekend? Yeah. 31 to August 2nd. So. Um, we're going to transition to our scripture reading time now. There's a slide that I have prepared that um, shows our sermon series that we're on. And so you'll see that popping up there. And it mirrors and it follows this guide. Last week I said I had six copies back there and I think they were all gone. And now we have another stack. So please take one of these home. It guides you in your prayer. And it also, there's a sheet we'll pass around because we're trying to see how much of the calendar we can fill with people praying for city life. So this is praying for our church, that God might continue to do what he needs to do through us and that we would grow deeper and wider. So when this comes around later, be bold and brave like a lot of people have and put some X's or your name or some lines through some of these days when you will pray. It's got a lot of days on it already that people filled out last week. So awesome. Thank you, guys. And um, grab one of those prayer guides and pray for City Life in the next three months. Our reader today is Emily, and um, the mic's all yours. Today's readings are Isaiah 2, 1-5, and Micah 4, 1-5. They can be found on pages 632 and 856 of the Bible's next two feet, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In Micah 4, 1 through 5. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own mind and under their own victory, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their God. We will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we thank you this morning that we got to hear uh, from Betty about what you do and how you reveal yourself in our journeys. And we look now to these words of scripture for them to reveal and to speak into our lives as well. We sit here coming from different experiences this week, and they may be positive or they may feel really negative and damaging and hurtful. We have... um, a life that is a track record of mixed blessings. We have, we have things that have been done to us that were wounding. We have things that have happened in our life that have been healing. We sit right next to people and we don't want them to know what's in us. We don't want them to see through because uh, we're, we're more of a mess than we care to admit. Every single one of us sits here Um, Although made beautiful and full of potential, our lives never seem to measure up and we've taken things in all kinds of distorted directions. And the story that we entered into and that Betty talked about is this big grand story that you've decided to enter into the broken world, the distorted creation, and you've decided to renew instead of reject. And each of us faces the opportunity this morning to look at our own failed and flawed life and to see that you have looked at each of us and given the blessing, the decision to renew instead of reject. And that decision's already been made through your son Jesus, entering into the pain and the distortion for us. So enter in now and and make real this availability of your grace as we listen to these words from the prophets. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to keep things really brief because some of you um, are not going to hear much of what I have to say because you've already gotten fed through what Betty has said. And uh, I, know, I know when I've been upstaged and when God has already gotten you know, what he needs. So this is very brief. I don't even have a pithy personal story to make you laugh starting out. I just have to say, this is what we're going to talk about. Three quick things. We're going to talk about how in this passage, there's a drawing, there's an obsession, and there's a vision. First of all, a drawing. Um, And not the kind that you do on paper or with chalk. This is um, a magnetism. God's magnetism is at work in these passages. So, If you look at verse 2, it says, In the last days, verse 2 of Isaiah, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established, it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. It's like an uphill climbing stream of people. And notice that the emphasis, if you're trying to think you know, literarily and say, well, what's really being said here? Who's doing you know, who's, is it a push or is it a pull? You know, it's more of that pull. It's a magnetism. This is something God does. God draws. 
And in many ways, I think we've, um, I have, people I talk to have, lost some of the really strong belief or sense or vision that God is still drawing people in this kind of a way. I think we bring a lot of skepticism to that. And so you might sit here with some kind of faith, either it's just kind of starting to germinate or it's blossomed for many years, but you still might kind of have this kind of posture because you might kind of feel like, I don't really know what's going on out there. I'm just going to say this is happening here. This passage confidently tells the story, like, who cares what you think about what's happening? Because God's doing it. He's drawing. It doesn't even matter if you're on board or not, because he's going to be doing it one way or another. This is what he's doing. It's his action. I dare you to try to stop it. Um, but we, we struggle to get that vision. I love how one of these, um, one of these famous preachers, who she, she writes books on preaching and publishes her sermons, her name is... Um, Barbara Brown Taylor, she put it this way. What we may have lost along the way is a full sense of the power of God to recruit people who have made terrible choices, to invade the most hapless lives and fill them with light, to sneak up on people who are thinking about lunch, not God, and smack them upside the head with glory. That's, that's it. I mean, that's exactly what this passage is inviting us to consider. That's exactly what God does. I think we need to revive that kind of anticipation and lean into it a little bit and expect it and live into it. And as Christians look at this passage, this idea of there's a temple on this high hill, we look at it through this lens of Jesus. Um, In a way, it's like this. Um, as, As this prophecy existed within ancient Old Testament Israel, It was like God was planting a seed, but it wasn't until his son Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again from the tomb on the third day. It wasn't until then that God's watering of that seed fully blossomed. And when it blossomed, everyone looked, not just ancient Israel anymore, that's where the seed was, But now everyone all around looks and sees the fruit on this tree and just is drawn to it because it is the fruit, it is the food of life. It is what we've all always wanted. And Jesus even says, I mean, this ended up being something that was used as an accusation in his trial to try to get him killed. That's how controversial it is that he says um, in John chapter 2, they say to him, the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. In Isaiah 2, we're talking about the temple of the Lord established on the highest hill. When we look through the lens of Jesus, we see this was all along talking about Jesus. This is all along only going to be fulfilled when Jesus was lifted up on a mountain. When, you know, mountains in the ancient Near East and were the places you'd bring your gods, you know, and you'd put your idols up there. You wouldn't, you wouldn't store them in the basement, you know, in the pits. You'd put them up, you know, you'd get them up there, get them up high, and then people would, this was just a cultural thing. Everybody would go up to the mountain for their worship to, to, to go to the gods and to kind of get honest and get righted, right the ship. 
and get reconciled. And so ancient Israel is the same thing. Then they had the tabernacle and then they had the temple. They called it Zion, this temple on the mountain of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was in a, is in a high place. And now, now we look and we say, oh... And Jesus is that now. Jesus moves in and replaces that through his death and resurrection. You know, tear it down and in three days rebuild it. He's talking about the new temple. The new place to get good with God. The new place to go and be honest and and deal with your stuff and get righted and reconciled again. That's Jesus. And that's, that's the drawing power of the Christian faith. That's where we finally see, oh, that's how all people now are drawn and reconciled through this one mountain. I love um, the surprises along the way like this. Sarah Miles is a writer who writes this book uh, I'm in the middle of reading called Take This Bread. And she's a very progressive thinking, world-traveling, justice-seeking, war-reporting journalist of atheist parents. And she was drawn to this little church in San Francisco and to the communion table and um, eventually feeling this draw and starting to go to worship just with fear and trepidation and feeling like a total outsider, she goes up to talk about her. Now she's starting to feel drawn towards baptism. And, um, and so she goes to talk to someone she thinks is safe and she, she describes this person as, her name is Lynn, and she's one of these people who walks around saying things like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and, um, you know, for Sarah Miles, this was like, oh, well, okay, I'll go to her, but I'm not sure if I like the exuberant response. And, and so this is what Lynn says to her. Honey, just look at the baptismal ba- vows in the Book of Common Prayer. See the first line? Do you desire to be baptized? All you have to do is want it. And Sarah's response is, I wanted it so much. She says, this, this was it exactly. I felt myself being drawn Yet choosing baptism seemed like a betrayal of my parents who had tried so hard to protect their children from Christianity and its discontents. Now here I was, an adult with an irrational yearning for it, almost a hunger. Do you believe God's doing that? Do you believe God's at work in that kind of way with people around you? He is. In some ways it doesn't matter what you think, but because he's going to do it anyway. But if you live into the anticipation and even pray for it, you might be used along the way, like Lynn. There's also an obsession. So I said there's a drawing, and then briefly there's an obsession, and then we'll talk about a vision. Now, I don't know if you noticed, and I haven't addressed it yet, but were some of you actually paying attention? Did you notice it felt like a little bit of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a repeat there. It was like, what's that? Yeah, exactly. Did you get the deja vu moment there when it went... Some of you didn't. You're looking at me very blankly right now because you listen like I listen, which is terribly. And, um, and so what that was on the screen a minute ago that Emily read was two passages that are almost completely identical. And so you can get into the history of how that happened. And basically, I think one of the best um, theories is that this was sort of a song that they taught each other back in the day. And it got... And it, it existed kind of on its own, and then it got incorporated into this story of God in two different places. So it was a well-known song. But what's at the heart of it in terms of these people being drawn? I'll, I'll use the Isaiah one to just notice what at the heart of this. Well, people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways 
so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. They're drawn to the path of God. They're drawn towards the teachings of God. The, the, whole, the whole thing of God and the ways of God. Um, you could say it's, it's scripture, but it's more than that. It's, it's the journey. It's how God reveals himself in all kinds of ways, through scripture, through worship, through everything. They're drawn into this into the principles of God, the, the purposes of God, the guidance of God, the path of God. And, um, you know, every, every church you'll go to will have some degree, somewhere on the spectrum of intensity of people who, who have, are being drawn in that kind of way and have that impulse of, I want to get more into the teachings of God, the path of God, the word of God. The, in the Old Testament, they talk about often as the fear of the Lord. But that was an Old Testament way of saying faith and deep, full trust. Every church you go to will have some degree of intensity and some, some little pockets where you can find where people are doing this, are kind of on-ramping into the path and seeking and trying to know more and live more in it. And why? What's going on there? Well, if you believe in the gospel, the gospel kind of settles your agitations in life. It has the power to move into all the agitated, obsessed worried, um, trembling places in your life and settle and bring little drops of calm into your soul. And that's the gospel. That's God writing you with him through the cross so that, you know, he kind of chuckles when we get obsessed and agitated over stuff because it's like, that's, that's silly that you're doing that because I've settled you with me and that's that's the biggest possible thing in your life. So those who have been settled in that way with God, the only thing left to obsess over is more of God, more of seeing God, more of experiencing it, pushing more of these silly agitations aside. That's what this is all about. When it, The focus of all these people streaming to the mountain is the ways of God. Like Psalm 19, I love how Psalm 19 puts it. There's some vivid uh, language in here. Um, is that the one? Yeah, Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure, and all of them are righteous. And listen to this. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from a honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Where are you at with that kind of... Could you sing that song, Psalm 19? Is there a part of you that is singing that or you want to? You're getting close, you wish. What's interesting is these two passages, we use both of them because they end differently. They have two different endings. It's like alternate endings. One is sort of a cliffhanger and the other feels like more of a confident statement. So if you read Isaiah, the last line of Isaiah 2's passage that we read is, Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. It's an invitation, but you're still kind of hanging. Because just described as all those other nations are all going to stream up into this desire to be taught, to know the ways of God, to seek it. And then it's like, now we turn to the people that God has had this covenant with that are kind of the insiders. And now I turn to them and say, are you going to get on or, or not? Are you going to on-ramp too? Are you going to miss it? 
And if you know, Isaiah's kind of a tough book, and some tough words have just been spoken to these people. So now it's, okay, all these folks are going to be streaming. They're going to see it. They're going to have this obsession. How about you? Come. Let us go up. But we don't know yet how they answer, whereas in, in Micah, it's different. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. See the difference? There's a confidence grabbing hold of. And in some ways, just you know, kind of look at yourself. Where is, does one of those kind of fit you? you know, have, have you grabbed hold? Is it time to? Is it time to transition from the Isaiah 1, the invitation to the grabbing hold of and saying, we, I will, we will. Is it time to move from just being a spectator in some ways, City Life Church is sort of half, half of each, right? Like there's, I know this community, I know a lot of you, and I know that there's sort of like, you know, there's some of each. There's some of like, hey, there's no doubt about it. I'm in, I'm a, I'm a small group junkie, you know? <laughs> it's like what I like to call them, some of you. You know, I've come to everything. I love community. I'm a community junkie. I love to on-ramp. I love this. I get it. And there's others who are, you're just terrified, and it's legitimate because it can be terrifying to break into community. I think that the idea today is to say, um, might you be missing out right now so that your time at City Life, instead of being something that you end up celebrating and you have a bit of a story to tell, might it end up being just a time of stagnation because you never kind of just jumped in with the courage to on-ramp into the path, the ways, seeking. So that's um, the obsession of this passage. And very briefly, the vision, God's final vision. Swords are beaten into plowshares. Tools of war turn into tools to use to bring life, to grow things that people will eat. Um, people from all over are streaming to a mountain, and there's a judge, you notice. There's a judge who's it says, is settling disputes. It's God. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. And so then they don't even have conflicts anymore. They don't even need weapons of conflict. So you have all these people from different ethnicities, from different languages, different customs, different traditions, and they, as they stream up the mountain, the judge, first of all, you're, you say, wow, the judge isn't condemning and sending certain ones of them away. So that's kind of a relief for some of you, that that's God's vision. But what he is doing is he's ending the disputes as they come. And so if this is all different kinds of people coming up and then there's no more disputing, then what are they? They're just one. They're not even all these different ones anymore. They're not it's not this group, that group. Now it's one group. It's one humanity within all the diversity. And it really stretches us because I think that our this is justice and this is true reconciliation all around. And I think all of our best efforts at justice, and we talk about social justice and all of these things, our best efforts are still just trying to balance or bring up one and, and get equity and equality. But we always have to admit, looking back at the imperfection of these attempts, in a way, we never transition to what this passage, just with ease, God seems to transition to that there's not even the, the different parties anymore competing for things. It's not about giving all the parties the exact same and it's equal. It's just there's no struggle for power or for the stuff anymore at all. The disputes have ended. In Acts 2, it Pentecost makes the point that that's beginning to happen 
when all of these languages and all these crazy different kinds of people are coming and they all are all suddenly one, they're all hearing the same thing. Churches and congregations are those places where a powerful God is creating a shocking solidarity. That's God's vision. We can already live into it and see some tastes of it as we seek it and as we pray for it, but we also always have the hope that it's going to fully be realized only through God's strength. Let's pray for that together. Our gracious God, will you move us deeper into a trusting relationship with you as a community where we know how good you are that we pray bigger prayers and we dream bigger dreams about our lives that have you at the center of them. And will you help us all um, as we try to on-ramp and to find you at the top of the mountain to be drawn because we can't climb there ourselves. We need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.